Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. Well, ever so often, um, me and the Lord put something on my heart to share and uh, he does that when I get to church. <laughs> so uh, this morning, my, my opening is just a little bit different. Uh, there's this thing in preaching that's called, you got to get people's attention. So you kind of tell a story or something to get people's attention so that they can focus in on where you're at. And it's an oratory skill. This morning, man, I, I am just in a place of, I, I'm just broken today, and so, uh, man, this message is, is just speaking to me. I tell our staff all the time, God always does the message in me before he ever lets me preach it, and so I knew that this was going to be a crazy week, I knew, um, but I, I just want to kind of ask you today, man, are some of you in an impossible situation? I can look around at some of you, and I know some of you, and I think some of you would probably agree with me, man. We're in some impossible situations. Maybe you're here today, man, and it's just an impossible situation with your job, and you just don't see any way out, any way around it. You don't even see maybe the possibility of getting a job. Some of you have recently been diagnosed with some things, and so you're thinking, man, it's just an impossible situation. Um, There's some who, as we minister to our community, I know that with this Christmas for kids, there's some who are in impossible situations with their finances. Some people are in impossible situations with their marriages. Some today are single and they feel like it's impossible that they will ever be married. Here's what I know that unless God intervenes, those things will remain impossible. But aren't you thankful that at Christmas time when Mary and Joseph had an impossible situation. <laughs> How are they going to get out of that one? What's impossible with men is impossible. You know, we've been in the book of Ruth. I don't know if you've kind of been watching or listening with us as we've kind of been through the book of Ruth, but I want you to know that I mean, we've kind of got to the point in the book of Ruth where they're in an impossible situation. I mean, Boaz has kind of been proposed to by Ruth, and Boaz has said yes to the proposal, but there's somebody else that's in line that probably could marry Ruth instead of Boaz, and so his heart is probably breaking, and he's probably thinking it's an impossible situation. I know this, that there are some things that we think are impossible. There's some things that can be overcome with hard work and dedication, right? 
You've seen it happen before. You thought it was impossible, but you worked hard enough at it, or you just dedicated to it enough, or some other people were, and it was possible. But there are some things that are humanly impossible. There are some situations that unless God intervenes, it will never happen. And, and that's who I want to speak to today. And over the next two Sundays, as a matter of fact, I want to tell us a little bit about what it means to be in impossible situations and see God kind of come through. The book of Ruth, if you remember, starts with a funeral. <laughs> but we're going to get there just a little bit today. It's going to end with a wedding. You know what that tells me? <laughs> tells me right now when you think something is dying and it's impossible that God can bring it back to life. It appears this maiden from Moab and the bachelor from Bethlehem are finally going to get married. But however, there's a closer relative than Boaz that has the right of redemption and therefore can marry Ruth and Boaz is determined to settle this issue as soon as possible. That's kind of where we left off last week. I guess what I'm trying to ask you today is, is do you believe with all your heart that God can take a mess and make a message out of it? That's what I'm hoping today. I, I've got a mess going on in my life today. I'm in a mess, man. But I'm trusting that God can turn it into a message. God never wastes a single one of our tears. God never wastes a single one of the pains in our lives. He's always doing something, right? Even when we can't see it, he's working, amen? Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Nothing is him possible. Do y'all believe that? I want to just tell you today, first of all, I want to I want to preach to you today just out of Ruth chapter 4, and I want to teach you one of three principles. We won't get time, we won't have time to go through all three of them. I'm just going to give you one today. And so I wonder if you just kind of rise to your feet with me. I know we're playing church aerobics today, it seems like it, but you got to work off all that Thanksgiving turkey and get ready for the Christmas meal, Amen. Let's hear the word of God together. I'm just going to read through verse 12, Tim, today. The Bible says that now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke was passing by. So he said, turn aside, friend. Sit down here. He turned aside and sat down. He took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the closest relative, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. And he said, well, I'll redeem it. And Boaz said, well... On the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. The closest relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself because I would jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself. You have the right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. 
Now, this was the custom in the former times in Israel concerning the redemption and the exchange of land to confirm any matter. A man removed his sandal and gave it to another, and this was the manner of attestation in Israel. So the closest relative said to Boaz, Buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witnesses today that I have brought from the land, from the hand of Naomi, all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Mahlon. Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Mahlon, to be my wife in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance so that the name of the deceased will not be cut off from his brothers or from the court of his birthplace. You are witnesses today. And all the people who were in the court and the elders said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah both of whom built the house of Israel. And may you achieve wealth in Ephrathah and become famous in Bethlehem. Moreover, may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar brought to Judah through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. Would you pray with me again? God, today in my weakness, I beg you to be strong. I pray that your grace should be sufficient in this hour, that, Lord, as we open your book, God, that you would speak your message of impossibilities to us. And I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Here's the first thing I need you to know today, man. God may bless beyond your intercessions. God may bless beyond your intercessions. You see, in Ruth chapter 2.12, Boaz, if you remember, prayed that Jehovah God would protect and provide for Ruth. He prayed a prayer over her. And God is about to answer that prayer through Boaz himself. You see, God just may bless you beyond your intercession. He blessed Ruth with a husband and a redeemer. He blessed Boaz with a wife. And while we continue to wait for the Lord's blessings, because sometimes we have to wait, there's a couple of things that were present in the life of this intercessor named Boaz that we need to keep in mind about our own lives. And here's the first thing, and that's this, to focus on character no matter the consequences. Focus on character no matter the consequences. Back in verse 1, we'll kind of look at that. They're at this gate. And they sat down there, and behold, the close relative who spoke, Boaz was speaking about, came by. And Boaz said, hey, turn aside and sit down. Now, Boaz is at the gate. That's important. This is a normal public place to transact business and legal proceedings. It's kind of like us going down to the courthouse today. But it just so happened, the Bible says, that, that suddenly, out of nowhere, came this other close relative, the other, this word we've been learning, this goel. Again, there are no accidents in the kingdom of God. He has a sovereign plan and put us in the right place with the right people. And here he came. Mission impossible. He said, turn aside, friend. But that word there, friend, it's interesting. This word, this close relative, is literally in the Hebrew, peloni almoni. Now, why do I say that? Because here's its translation in the Hebrew, Mr. So-and-so. Mr. No Name. He doesn't have a name. It's going to symbolize something about his character as we get into this. 
So he says, hey, uh, so-and-so, sit down here. Then Boaz, in verse 2, gathers 10 men of the elders. That made a quorum. That was what was legally necessary to make legal decisions, to settle legal disputes. In verses 3 and 4, Boaz tells so-and-so, Mr. No-Name, that Naomi has a piece of land to sell. You see, when they left Moab, Elimelech, her husband, who died, apparently sold the land rice used to someone outside the family. So Naomi is back in town, and she has no means to purchase this back. So she agrees to transfer that right, that obligation, that opportunity to her nearest kinsman. Naomi, through Boaz, is calling on the nearer kinsman to repurchase or to redeem the field from its present possessor. Boaz tells Mr. So-and-so, Hey, you're first in line. You're closer than I am in relation, so do it right now. But Mr. No-Name can only think about himself. With no character at all, he says the most selfish thing ever. Hey, I'll do it. I'll redeem it. And it looks like, upon first observation, that this is a man of character. He's going to do this, right? He's going to fulfill Leviticus 25, 25 that says this. If a fellow countryman of yours becomes so poor, he has to sell part of his property, then his nearest kinsman is to come and to buy back what his relative has sold. Here we go, Mr. So-and-so, Mr. Man of Character, is there on the scene. But let's not be too quick. You see, up until this time, Mr. So-and-so has done nothing. He's taken no initiative to help Ruth or Naomi. One commentator says, in all probability, he knows about the plot of Elimelech. So if he ignores his voluntary family responsibility without a descendant of the line of Elimelech, the field would simply become a part of his own family inheritance anyway. The amount that he would have to pay to redeem it would be offset by the value and produce of the field. So his self-interest in mind, he quickly says, hey, I'll do this. But he agrees for selfish reasons. But then his character gets tested because Boaz lowers the boom. Boaz says, hey, here comes the kicker. If you, if you buy the land, verse 5 tells us, you got to take the girl too. Hey, by the way, if you redeem the land, you also have to marry this Moabitess, this widower, and fulfill the law about Leverite marriage. By the land, you also have to marry the girl and raise up children in the name of her dead husband. Well, by this time in verse 6, Mr. Nobody says, in my paraphrase, hey, if that's what's going to go on with this deal, I'm out, bro. I mean, I'm out. I'm done. I don't want anything to do with that because it wouldn't be financially beneficial for me. I would lose on that deal. His character is trash. You can see it. He's incredibly selfish. He can only think about his own self-interest. But Boaz, on the other hand, has done the right thing every step of the way. He's focused on pleasing the Lord and leaving the consequences of when I choose to please the Lord up to the Lord. And this may have cost him the very love of his life, but he was willing to do it because he loved God more than he loved Ruth. And character mattered to Boaz more than consequences. Character mattered more. Again, the obligation of Levite marriage was linked to the redeemed estate. By the land, you marry the girl and have to perpetuate a raise of children in the dead husband's name. 
What is at play is a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 through 10. It's a little lengthy, so pay attention with me. It says, when brothers live together and one of them dies and has no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married outside the family to a strange man. Her husband's brother shall go into her and take her to himself as a wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother to her. It shall be that the firstborn whom she bears shall assume the name of the dead brother so that his name will not be blotted from Israel. But if the man does not desire to take his brother's wife, then his brother's wife shall go up to the gate of the elders. Here we are at the gate. My husband's brother refuses to establish a name for his brother in Israel. He is not willing to perform the duty of a husband's brother to me. Then the elders of the city shall summon him and speak to him. And if he persists and says, I do not desire to take her, then his brother's wife shall come to him in the sight of the elders and shall pull off his sandal off his foot and spit in his face and she shall declare, thus it is done to the man who does not build up his brother's house. In Israel, his name shall be called the house of him whose sandal is removed. Or Mr. So-and-so. So neither man is legally obligated by Deuteronomy 25. If this man, it says if he doesn't persist and he has an out. It's voluntary, but it's the moral and right thing to do of a man of character or a woman of character. Boaz said, I'll gladly do it, but not Mr. So-and-so. Old so-and-so has neither character nor desire to step up to the plate and rise to the occasion. He's not concerned about anyone but himself. He's not going to agree to redeem the field, marry Ruth, and raise up children, because if he does... He must pay for the land, marry a foreigner, and then eventually know that the land that he's buying is going to go to the firstborn son, and he won't have it. So he's saying, what future is there in that? That's not a good business deal for me. And by the way, I'm probably already married. What do I need with another wife? That's not derogatory. I'm just saying that to him. There will be only shame and disgrace in that. He knows that because he will be spit upon. And that is a very disgraceful and shameful thing. He can, however, release his right as the kinsman redeemer, the next Goel. He can release that to Boaz. And as soon as he releases that, he falls into oblivion and we never know his name. But verses 7 and 8 tell us that Boaz seizes the moment. So there's an exchange of a sandal to publicly seal the deal as we learned about in Deuteronomy 25. Boaz keeps his word and he's the right, he's the right person. And as they prayed that his name would be famous, his name is famous. We know the name of Boaz and we know the name of his son because character matters more than consequences. Poloni Almoni refuses to restore and perpetuate the name of the dead. He himself has no name and he will never have one as far as you and I will ever know. Boaz, on the other hand, is just the opposite. He focused upon his character no matter the consequences and because of that, God honored his name. Proverbs 10 verse 7 comes into play here. We see it. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. Do you see it? 
The name of Paloni Almoni will remain hidden, unknown forever. Mr. Whoever you are vanishes from the pages of history. He refused to raise up the name of Elimelech and Malon, and in the process, he loses his own name. But Boaz knew something else. Boaz knew, Proverbs 22.1 says this, A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor than silver and gold. Amen, church? Poloni Almoni did not focus on character and he was not blessed. Boaz did and he was. Boaz focused on his character no matter the consequences. So let me just ask you today, are you focusing on your character no matter the consequences? Character matters. Character counts. And God blesses character no matter the consequences, amen? So you focus on character if you want the blessing of God, but then secondly, focus on commitment no matter the cost. Focus on commitment no matter the cost. Look in verse 8 of the text this morning. So the closest relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, and he removed his sandal. (laughs) He said, hey, uh, you marry her. Boaz says, okay, it's on like Donkey Kong. Here's what he said. He says, I will fulfill the word that is found in the scripture about the Leverite married. The word lever is a Latin word meaning brother-in-law. Leverite marriage takes place when a man dies with no children. Elimelech had no children. His brother is to marry the widow and father a son for the deceased brother. And this is the way the name was perpetuated. There are only three places in the, where this occurs in the Old Testament. Genesis, Deuteronomy, and here in Ruth. As Dr. Aiken, my, my theological professor, once said, he said, the purpose of the law here is to raise a son for the dead brother. If a man dies without sons, in a sense, he dies entirely. In the Levite marriage, the firstborn son is considered to be the son of the dead brother. When the son grows up, he will inherit the property of his deceased father. Now, the law was not compulsory. A brother or a relative could choose not to fulfill this duty. And if he did refuse, he would be encouraged to change his mind. And if he still refused, he would be shamed with the ceremony of the sandal and spitting in the face. Not only is Boaz here committed to paying the cost to leave right marriage, but he's also willing to pay the price and count the cost of being the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman is who he is. The redeemer is what he does. There are three basic things a kinsman redeemer does. This close relative, this goel. The first two are found in Leviticus 25, and the other is in Numbers. The first one is redemption of property. In Leviticus 25, it talks about that the kinsman acts on behalf of an impoverished relative to purchase and return the land to the poor person that he was forced to sell. This is what Boaz is doing. There's also the redemption of a person. The kinsman redeemer redeems a relative who is forced to sell themselves into slavery. And so this redeemer can buy them back. There's also redemption of blood. Here we see that this kinsman redeemer is an avenger. When a relative of his is murdered, as the kinsman redeemer, he is to avenge the death of the murdered one. But Boaz feels the first one of this. So in verses 9 and 10, he, Boaz says, you guys seen this today. You've seen it that I bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech. 
Moreover, I have acquired Ruth the Moabitess, the widow, to be my wife, and he says it, in order to raise up the name of the deceased of his inheritance. Boaz keeps his word. He pays the cost. He steps in and does what is absolutely necessary to do. I want you to know this today. I want you to hear me today. You've got to focus on commitment, no matter what it may cost you. He willingly pays to redeem the land. He agrees to marry Ruth, honoring the principle of Leverite marriage. He pledges to perpetuate the name of the dead man. And Boaz focused on his commitment, no matter the cost. And as a result, the Lord will use him to answer his own prayer for Ruth. The Lord will bless you beyond your intercession. The Lord has used him to answer his own prayer, and God may do that for you too. You see, verses 11 and 12, the elders and the people at the gate bear witness to what has occurred, and they proclaim a threefold blessing on Boaz and upon Ruth. They say, make the woman like Rachel and Leah. May she be as fruitful and building a family as those two women did for Jacob. Man, that's awesome. May you achieve wealth and be famous. Literally, it says, may a name be given. May people call you a name. May your name be known and famous. It's a play because Mr. No Name. May you now have another name. May your house be like that of Perez, found in Genesis chapter 28. In spite of the character deficiencies of both Judah and Tamar, read the story later, Perez, their son, proved to be a blessing from God. Don't miss what's happening here. In verse 11, I want you to see it. They were there. It says in verse 11, may the Lord make the woman who is coming. Do you see that? And then I want you to see it in verse 12. May over may your house be like the house of Perez through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. The blessing starts when God says, I'm going to make something happen that's impossible to happen. And then the Lord gives you what you need to make it happen. Do you see it? Do you see it this morning? That the Lord may bless you beyond your intercession. Can I tell you today? If you are in an impossible situation, the last thing you can stop doing is praying. Please pray. But while you're waiting on God to bless, you have got to focus in on character, no matter the consequences, and be committed no matter the cost. I wonder if my band would come, and those who are going to sing for us today, if you would make your way up here. Do you see that? Boaz had prayed that Ruth would be blessed, and now he is the one that's receiving the blessings. I was talking with a deacon in a church one time. Could have been this one. I can neither confirm nor deny. And this deacon told me, man, Boaz is pretty smooth. <laughs> he, hung, he hung on to Ruth for as long as he could and didn't tell anybody she was in town until he finally had to disclose the details. I'm thinking, man, no, what really happened was this Boaz believed God was going to bless him. He believed, man, Boaz was an older man. It was impossible for this younger woman to marry him, but, man, God made it happen. God blessed Boaz beyond his intercession because he focused on his character and he focused on being committed. He was going to be the right person and pay the right price. Can I ask you today, can God do the impossible in your life? 
Can God cause you and me to go from being broken people to being blessed people? I believe that he can because I believe that it's mission impossible with God every single time. You know, as I told you, the Lord put something different on my heart today. And I mean, these are, I guess I can be honest. People use this stuff against me, but it's okay. I'm just going to be real. I'm going to be me with you. And I'm struggling today. Like, I don't even know if this message was even going to bless you because my heart and my mind are in a thousand places today. And I really didn't want to come here today because, man, I'm struggling bad. But I believe in the power of this book. And I believe if, man, we just preach this book, God does what he does because the life change never happens because of what I say. So my hope is in the one who's behind this, the one who's living and active and through this. And so today, man, as I was just praying, the Lord changed how we would introduce things today. And the Lord's also changed the way I want to end things. Do you notice that in the book there that those women who saw what was happening, I can't go into it. We'll go into it next week. But, you know, Naomi left Bethlehem and when she came back, they were like, hey, Naomi. And, and they're like, she's like, no, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Do y'all remember that? Don't call me all happy and pleasant. You call me bitter. But man, God took an impossible situation and did something great in it. And now here she is, and she's going to receive some blessings like she never knew before. So I want to end today in just a different way. And I don't even know, man, what the Spirit's... Y'all, this might land like a a dead duck, and and that's okay. But I just want to end this service. They're they're going to start to sing in a minute, and I just wonder, could we do this today? Could we, in just a moment, just rise to our feet, and could you find two or three people? Could you just speak a blessing over their life? I just think there's some hurting people in the room like me. I just think there's some people in the the room today that need to hear the blessings of God spoken over them. I think people just need to hear an encouraging word this time of year. I just think people need to hear God's blessings spoken over them. What would you think that God would want to say to the person sitting next to you this morning? What do you think that's in God's, the Father's heavenly heart because he desires to bless? That's who he is. What would he want to say to the person you brought with you today? I'm going to have you stand right now, if you would, with me. And I'm going to pray. And then there will be some men and some others down here at the end. And if, man, you need to pray about anything and... You just need to touch base with God. You want us to intercede for you. We'll do that. If you want to talk about anything, we'll be here. But during this time, man, it would be my heart's desire that you would speak a word of blessing over some folks as we sing this really powerful Christmas song. Let me pray. God, I'm so thankful that you are the God of impossibilities and that when we're broken, you can make us blessed. Through your people this morning, God, would you deliver your word that's on your heart 
to that brother or sister, that friend, what they need to hear today. Speak to your people today and bring life. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You come and you bless.